<laughs> Thank you for the hype. Thank you. Um, so as most of you know, about three months ago, I moved from my home of Seattle, Washington to Chattanooga to work for the house, and I have loved so many different aspects of that. I have especially loved meeting with a lot of you and hearing your stories and hearing about the cultures that you come from and the environments that you grew up that have shaped who you currently are and who you hope to become. That tends to be, as I grow older, something that I know that I love is just understanding different cultures um, and how I can see Christ within different cultures and therefore in different people. And I love it. And about three weeks ago, I was getting my hair cut with a new hairdresser here in Chattanooga, and I found myself in another one of these conversations talking about cultures with my hairdresser. And so I started talking about the different cultural components of the Pacific Northwest, and she told me about the different cultural components of what she called the South. And we talked about how those shaped our upbringings and what it meant to be a strong woman in different contexts. And we talked about how our cultures and areas around us have changed the ways we see womanhood and the ways we want to go about our vocation and the way that we are called to act in, on behalf of justice and all these other elements that make us us. And we also talked about just how hard it is to go about your young 20s not really knowing exactly what you want to do. But I remember this whole conversation as she was cutting my hair just felt so genuine and authentic, and I look back and treasure it. But I don't think I'll look back on that moment remembering the specific details that we discussed, but I will look back and remember this one comment that she told me towards the end of my haircut. If I don't remember it for forever, I for, for sure will remember it for a very long time. She said, Katie, you're the type of Christian that makes me not hate Christianity. And I remember I was <laughs> taken back, and I didn't know if I wanted to take it as a compliment, owning that in that moment I could trust that I embodied Christ in an authentic way that showcased the beauty of who God is to her. But on the other hand, I lamented the fact that there are other people who profess that they were Christian in her life who then shared aspects that did not reflect the character of Christ. And I tell this story because I think it goes to show that whether we like it or not, people are watching the way that we live our lives. And especially if we declare ourselves as Christians and believers in Christ, then people are especially in tune to see if the way that we're living our lives is different and embodying characteristics of Christ that we know to be true. People are watching that if people who profess that they're Christians are the ones who are embodying characteristics of Christ, such as joy and hope and forgiveness and compassion and love. And although it can feel like such a big burden to hold that people are watching us by the ways we live our lives, it also is an incredible opportunity to embody Christ in ways that we may not have thought of before. So I think that that maps on well to the way that Paul is talking to the Colossians and telling them how they must live a life rooted in prayer, and then the ways that they live and the things that they talk about should all be embodying Christ. So before we dive into scripture, going verse by verse, I just want us to bow our heads and pray. Lord, I thank you for all the opportunities you give us to embody you. 
Uh, I thank you that we are all so different from one another that we can reflect different characteristics of you to others. Lord, I pray that tonight we are both equally convicted and encouraged with the ways we reflect you. Lord, and I pray that these words are from you and not my own. Jesus, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So the whole semester, basically, we've been going through the book of Colossians, and up until this point, we have seen how Paul is telling the Colossians about how they should live in knowing now that the gospel is something that's going to transform the lives of the people that they are around. And he believes that the gospel is so, so transformative that when people who are in the church believe it to be true and the truth that Jesus is Lord, that the ways that they live outside of the church is going to reflect and embody Christ in ways that people have never seen before. And so in that, Paul acknowledges that people do have different communities that exist outside of their church community. He acknowledges that they have family and friends and co-workers and their children have friends <laughs> and that all of that relates to one another. And so I think um, in going and understanding that, we can relate to the Colossians in the way that we too have so many different communities outside of our faith community here at the house where we also have the chance to embody Christ and tell people that Jesus is Lord. So in verse 2, it says, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. And I love that first word devote as if Paul knows that prayer is the very thing that connects us to our life source of Jesus Christ. And if we are devoted, then that means we are committed to staying rooted in Christ and knowing that outside of Christ, we are nothing. And that outside of Christ, we cannot do the things that we want to do. So it's through devotion to our prayer life and to connecting with the Lord that we are able to see the ways in which God is at work. And with an alert mind, we can look around and see the ways that God is at work around us. And with a thankful heart, we can also praise God that he's also at work through us and within us. And that we are a part of the people that get to reflect and embody Christ to others. And that is something to be thankful for. And I love... Yeah, just reading about this, and I wonder what it would look like if we all understood that apart from Christ, we are nothing, and that it is through prayer, praying with both alertness and a thankful heart, that we can embody Christ better to those around us. And I think in a very practical way, as we spoke earlier, the Lord's Prayer, that is a way, and just the very way we pray is a way that we can embody Christ. In the Lord's Prayer, we prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's so powerful because when we say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are acknowledging that we are a part of God's miraculous plan. And once again, we are acknowledging that God is at work among us and he is going to work us through us so that his kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. And I think that's so, so powerful and so cool that we do have the opportunity to embody Christ even in the way that we pray. A couple weeks ago, I listened to a sermon um, from Pastor Jordan Rice of Slow City Church in California, and he was talking about how Christians, how we should pursue justice. But in this, he said a statement that stuck out to me and I think helps in 
intertwine what Paul is saying to the Colossians. Pastor Jordan Rice said we should pray with our legs. So when we hear pray with our legs, to me that thinks that if we are so rooted in the Lord in prayer, that that should encourage us to go out and live what we feel like we're convicted to live by the Lord. So if we're praying with our legs, then we are acting, and as Paul says, that we are going out into our different communities that are different from our church community and embodying Christ in ways that we feel like will be evident to others because we are so rooted in the Lord through prayer. And I love, too, Paul's acknowledgement that he can do this even when he's in chains in prison. We heard from Jason last week that we can praise God and honor God in all circumstances. And I love, love, love Paul's humility that is shown in verses 3 and 4, that even though he is in chains, he is able to recognize, like, Lord, let me have opportunities to show people who you are, and that he understands that his sole purpose is to embody Christ to those around him. And I think that Paul, even in prison, was doing this, where he was praying with his legs, even though he felt trapped in prison, that he was trying to find ways to live wisely. Now, when we think about our communities where we can live wisely, I think there are lots of different options. For me, one of the coolest things about living is that we live in a diverse world. And we live in a world where people hold different identities and backgrounds, and they come from different upbringings and different cultures and all these other elements. And it's such a gift that we are surrounded by diversity in a way that people reflect and embody different characteristics of Christ that we may not have in ourselves. And that's so so beautiful to me that diversity is such a gift, and yet we understand that we are all unified in this belief that Jesus is Lord and Jesus loves us all, and that the Lord loves everyone. And so when we know that it is a gift to have diversity, but also on the other side we are unified under the sole purpose that Jesus is Lord, then it allows us to enter into our different communities embodying Christ, knowing that that is the truth. So I was brainstorming a bit about what different communities I hear you all are a part of um, here at UTC. So I know for some of you, that is Freshman Senate. And (laughs) for some of you, that is the UTC Honors College, or sororities, or Ultimate Frisbee, or local churches such as Matt's favorite, City Collective. And for my friends on Zoom, that community tends to be University of Washington. Um, Go dogs! And all of those communities are so great because they're so, so different than the one that we have here, and they're filled with people who are diverse in all different elements. And what a cool opportunity that we have that we can embody Christ in those different communities that we are a part of. Um, Some of you may have heard of this theologian, especially if you grew up in the church like myself. Um, Francis Chan has this quote, and it says, something is wrong when our lives make sense to unbelievers. And that feels really intense and convicting that we should, if we declare and profess that we are Christians and we are living, embodying Christ, that the way that we live should be different than people who do not know who Jesus is. 
And that seems so countercultural because I think all of us desire to fit into society. But if we are truly, as Paul is saying, acknowledging that our worth is rooted in the Lord and our sole purpose is to embody Christ to those around us, then we should know that the way we live our, live our life should be different than those who do not yet know Jesus. And I think it's so apparent that the way that we move, that people are watching our actions in those different communities. And people, especially if you are someone who calls yourself a Christian, people are watching for the ways that you're doing that. Um, In brainstorming a few questions about where I think you can reflect and embody Christ to those around you, I thought of a few. When you fail a test, the way that you react, knowing that your worth is rooted in the Lord instead of your test grade, does that embody Christ? If you are at a party, does the way you are around alcohol and talking to others and honoring your body reflect Christ? If you're walking downtown and you cross a houseless man on the street, does the way that you turn and tell him that he has dignity embody Christ? If you see oppression around you, are you the first to point out and draw near to the oppressed like Christ would? And if you get into conflict with one of your friends or family members, does the way that you are quick to forgive and quick to listen embody Christ in a way that feels so, so hard sometimes but is so holy? And I think all of those seem so countercultural to do, especially when we have society telling us that all those things are the right thing to do. And yet I think that even the most mundane acts are an opportunity to tell people about the radical truth that Jesus is Lord. And maybe it is even in those mundane acts that we see God's sovereignty and his faithfulness more than ever because we're following through and fully knowing that even in those acts, God is present and working among us and through us. Now, after Paul talks about how we should live in different communities and make the absolute most of every opportunity, I think of the old phrase, YOLO, when I hear that. Um, Then he talks about, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. And I love that that seems pretty intimidating um, to always think that you have to have the words prepared that are both gracious and attractive. But it's also incredibly encouraging that we can go back to verse 2 and remember that if we are truly rooted in prayer and embodying Christ through the things we pray for and acknowledging that, once again, God is around us and working through us, then we can trust that in those opportunities, the Lord is going to give us the words we need to say. And if we believe that the Lord is gracious and attractive, then I think we can also believe that the words that we say will be gracious and attractive if we are rooted in the Lord. In a more tangible way, when I think about how this conversation could play out about it being gracious and attractive, I like to think about how Jesus would be if he's sitting with someone who maybe is skeptical that Jesus is really good and is skeptical that Jesus is Lord. First of all, I think Jesus would be a 10 out of 10 listener. I think he would be listening with a big smile on his face, so excited to hear and learn about this person's life. And I think he'd be incredibly patient and incredibly kind 
and wouldn't try and push him into religion necessarily. And I pray that he also, when I think about it, that Jesus would just sit there and then respond in a way that was so right to that person that felt so personal and individualized that that person felt so divinely loved by the Lord. And if I can envision Jesus having those conversations, it gives me a little boost of courage that I can do the same things too if I am truly devoted to prayer and rooted in the Lord in the way that I'm embodying Christ. So I want us to also think about that when we are talking about Christ, I want us to think about do our actions line up with our words? There's some quote, and I forget who says it, but it's basically saying that you should act first and use words if necessary. And if you say the words but you don't act, then that's not great. (laughs) But if you had the actions and not necessarily the words, then I think that's fine. But we are called that if we are embodying Christ in all things and in all communities and in different parts within us, that we are embodying Christ even in the speech and the ways that we say things and the timing of the things that we say. So as we're reflecting how we're embodying Christ through our prayer life and the ways we live and the ways we speak to one another, I want us to also acknowledge that there are so many things that prevent us from fully embodying the Lord. And that's hard. I think we all can acknowledge that we really fail at embodying the Lord sometimes. We all have our own sin patterns that are different from one another that stop us in our tracks when we feel like that we have the opportunity to embody Christ. For some of you, that may look like protecting yourself in your own ego in order to fit in with a friend group at the expense of denying your love for the Lord. For some of you, you may be so, so scared of conflict or tension that you would rather just flee to a space of false protection and not talk about Jesus because it seems too cross-cultural and it would just cause so much tension that you would hate. And for some of you, you may not embody Christ because you don't really know who Jesus is and you don't really know if he's worth pursuing and you don't really know what you think about faith or religion entirely. And I want to tell you that if that is you, that there still are ways you embody Christ that you may not even know. And so I want us to all think about the importance that it is that in our different spheres of influence that first we recognize that we have so much sphere of influence whether we like it or not that people are watching to figure out how they want to live their lives and what values they want to uphold and where they want to go next and people are trying to gauge the social norms of the room so as followers of christ and people who have the opportunity to embody christ I want us to remember that first we must be devoted to our life in prayer with the alert mind and a thankful heart that God is working around us in ways that we do not see and we can also be so, so grateful that we get to be a part of God's miraculous plan to bring the gospel to people. And then when we're living our lives, just doing our thing in our different communities, that also is a space where we can embody Christ. And when we are speaking, that also is a way where we are able to reflect Christ in the words that we say and the timing of things we say. 
And like I said previously, sometimes that's super hard. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to me in this way where I feel like at a lot of points in my life, I have felt like that I am at a crossway path between where I can choose to A, embody Christ and reflect Christ to those around me and deny myself and desire to fit into different social groups, or B, I can choose to not embody Christ and to protect my own image and ego and then live my life fitting into the culture. And especially in high school and college, I can think back on very specific instances where I've done one or the other. And I'm so, so grateful for the opportunities and the times where I knew that even though it was hard, I took one step of courage and I embodied Christ to people at the expense of my own self and desires to fit in. And in those moments, I've seen how God has been faithful. And on the other side, I can also lament that there have been many times in my life where I've denied my love for the Lord or backed away and said that it wasn't as important as it actually was to fit in. Turns out that some of those conversations where I previously denied my love for the Lord, it ends up being super awkward when I explain that I'm moving across the country to work for a college ministry. <laughs> um, but the Lord is faithful even in those moments, and I trust that my words were gracious and attractive <laughs> in the reconciling of my stories. <laughs> but on the other side, I want to give an example of where when I did choose to embody Christ in a way that seemed pretty mundane to me, where I was able to see God's radical uh, forgiveness and faithfulness. So I grew up half my life in eastern Washington, which is the desert side of Washington state, and I worked in a sandwich and salad shop like all throughout high school and then parts of my summers in college. Um, I think it kind of stemmed my desire and love of sustainable agriculture. So if you want to talk about that different time, totally can. Um, <laughs> but I remember that, especially when I was ages 16 and 17, that I would go to work and I wanted to be faithful in my duties and my job. And I also knew that I wanted to curate a positive and uplifting work environment. So work was just a little more enjoyable. And I worked with a diverse group of people who held different identities and came from different backgrounds and socioeconomic statuses and had different stories and religions and faiths and struggles. And it all felt so, so different to me. And I recall that not once did I ever have a conversation where I directly talked about faith to anyone that I worked with. I just was living my life, doing my job, trying to curate a healthy, positive work environment. So it wasn't until about two and a half years later that I saw the Lord's faithfulness when I was embodying Christ through just making sandwiches. Um, at that point, I had moved to Seattle, Washington to go to college at the University of Washington. And one night, I received a phone call from an old coworker uh, that worked with me at Gray's. And she called me out of the blue, and I remember I was pretty confused because I didn't really think that we were like that good of friends because we never really hung out outside of work, but I also knew that I liked working with her, so I picked it up. And she called me on the phone crying and saying that her boyfriend of eight years had just dumped her and she didn't know who to call, but she knew she could trust me and she saw that the way that I lived my life when I worked at Gray's Sandwich Shop was different and she just knew for some reason that she wanted to talk to me. 
So my coworker, who's now my friend, Iris, uh, she traveled like the two hours to Seattle, and we were able to talk about Jesus over teriyaki food. And I felt in that little moment that I just needed a small act of courage to be like, the way that I live my life is different because of Jesus. And I remember my whole body was just shaking because I was so scared um, how this older coworker was going to view me if I declared and professed that the reason why I lived my life differently was because of Jesus. And now, years later, we can look back at that moment, and we both can acknowledge that we were able to see the Lord's faithfulness and provision in that moment for both of us, and how even now in our relationship that we still are able to see the different ways we embody Christ. For myself, I am so, so encouraged to see Iris in the ways that she as a new believer is embodying Christ with this new fire in her soul to tell everyone about Jesus and to read her Bible every day and be on worship team and all these ways that's so encouraging to me as someone who grew up with a faith when I feel like I'm at my low, then she is able to uplift me and show me the goodness of Christ again. And I know for her, when she has so many questions about faith and doubting it and is wondering if God is actually faithful, that I'm able to encourage her and give her the answers to the best of my knowledge that are gracious and attractive in hopes that I can uplift her in her walk with Christ. And I love, love, love to see and hold on to those moments where I can trust that the Lord is faithful. Because I had no idea that the way I was living my life at 16 in a sandwich shop would ultimately lead someone to a radical shift in their faith and life in following the Lord and embodying Christ in ways that they had never, ever imagined their life could look. So I want us to be encouraged that even in the moments where you do maybe choose to embody Christ and when people ask, why are you living your life differently and you point them to Jesus, that you can acknowledge that the Lord is still faithful even if you may not see his faithfulness in the moment. And maybe you will years and years down the road and you don't know it, but we also can just rest in the fact that we know for sure that the Lord is faithful. So if we are fully embodying Christ in the ways that we pray, in the ways that we live, and trusting that in rooted in that, in the truth that Jesus is Lord, that when we speak about Christ or the things that we do, that we are embodying Christ, that we can trust that the Lord is going to work through us. And my hope is that each of us would embody Jesus through the ways that we pray and live and speak in all those various communities, and that we still could come together as people involved in the house and encourage one another and celebrate that we are in diverse communities that are so, so different from us. So now we are going to take just a few moments, probably a little over a minute, and I want you to take the time to just reconnect with the Lord and Just figure out where you feel you're directed. And I have two questions that I want you to really, really pray about and think about. And my hope would be that these questions would continue to mull over in your brain this week. I want you to think about who are the people in your life right now that you can embody Christ to? And what parts of you do people see as an embodiment of Christ? So I want us to think on this for a little over a minute, and then I will pray, and then Sophie will come up to close us.
Now I'll pray for us. Lord, I thank you for putting us in diverse communities that are far different than us. I thank you for the ways that people embody Christ, that we may not ourselves embody you. And I thank you that you are at work around us in ways that we cannot see. And I pray that we can stay alert to the ways that you're at work and alert to the ways that you're calling us to live a life wisely that embodies you, Lord. And I pray that as we enter into our different communities embodying you, that you give us the answers that we need and the convictions that we need to embody you so that people understand that the way we live is cross-cultural and it is supposed to be different. Lord, I thank you for this community, both here at the house and my friends in Washington. Lord, we love you so, so much. In Jesus' name, amen.